Do you feel God? Do you hear Him? Do you sense His presence in your life? This Sunday at Bellwether, we're talking about the search for God. What do you do when you have your Bible study, say your prayers, go to worship, and just don't feel God? We'll find out in this sermon as we talk about the search for God. Y'all join me in a word of prayer. Dear God, I know many people spend their lives uh, looking for something that will give them fulfillment and meaning and purpose in their lives. And, and I know people who are just dry and, and running on empty or just running like a, like a hamster's wheel just over and over again. My prayer, our prayer as staff, our prayer as a worship team is we would all know your presence is here. Uh, we treat this ground as holy, but that you want to do a work inside of us and give meaning and purpose and fulfillment for your glory. And that we'd stop running and we'd stop searching and we'd see and find you. Now, sometimes we can do that and, uh, and our lives don't get any better. Uh, you know, there's still brokenness. But that doesn't mean that you're not with us and you're not carrying us and you don't love us and you don't have a destiny for us and you don't have eternity awaiting us. I pray whatever we're going through, that we, your people, would know that you are with us and want us to give our lives to you and that we would find our true fulfillment and home there. That's my constant prayer. That's our constant prayer. Do that. We know that you can. Pray that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would take your Bible and... uh, Turn to Psalms, Psalms in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 42. We're actually going to read Psalm 42 and 43, which uh, is actually one whole psalm. If you've been with us over the last couple weeks, we're taking a break from a series that we're doing called, How Does Jesus Change My Life? And the break is uh, is kind of in honor of Valentine's Day. Uh, Valentine's Day is all about love. And so we're talking about things that we search for. Two big things. One last week we talked about the search for happiness, true love, you know, thinking that will give us happiness. And then today we're talking about the search for God. You know, Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love God. Uh, Now we love our spouses uh, or we try to give love. We love our friends, we love our family. Jesus says the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the question I'd ask for all of us is, how do we love God when we don't see Him or hear Him or feel Him in those times? Not that that you don't see Him, but there are some times when all of us, we don't hear Him and we don't see Him and we don't know Him. So how how can we love God when we don't feel His presence? That's what this psalm is talking about. That's what David is talking about. So let's look at it. Psalm 42, uh, verse 1. And this is a little different. I don't actually preach a lot uh, in the Psalms. Psalm's a poem. It's poetry. So it's not narrative. It's not a story. It's not prose. So bear with me, and we're going to stay in these Psalms. Psalm 42, verse 1. 
As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, uh, some of us like to uh, work out, like to train, whether it's cardio, pumping iron, and we train our, our bodies. And then sometimes our bodies will break down and we'll get sick, and we know uh, to go to the doctor, uh, unless you're probably, some of you are like me, and you, you don't go until the very last moment, and then it's worse, and it's like, oh, uh, you can ask my good doctor, Larry Collins, but we should go to the doctor. When, when we break down, when we get sick. So we train our bodies up, and they break down, we go to the doctor. That's the same with our spiritual lives. But the thing is, we do really good when we train and build up, and we don't do so good when we break down. Here's what I mean. We'll train. we, we got our Bible study to do. Uh, we'll go to church. Uh, we'll do something besides church. Maybe it's a Wednesday service. Maybe it's a group. But uh, we'll have our devotion time. We'll have our prayer time. We're like, yeah, I'm training. I'm, I'm building up my spiritual life. But what do we do when we break down? When we break down and something happens and we're like dry. We don't have God. We can't feel God. We're like, man, it's just, man, it's just not connecting with God. What do we do? How do, how do we heal that? What's, what's the doctor that we go to? We're like, well, you know, Jesus is a great physician. What if you don't feel Jesus? And what if you call yourself a Christian? I mean, I just, everything in life is, maybe it's going great. Maybe it's not the pits and you just, like, I'm not feeling God, and I'm, I'm spiritually empty. The tank's empty. How do we heal? How do we, how do we get better? Now, you may be saying, that, that ain't me. That can't happen to me. I do believe that is where some of y'all are today. Uh, it might be where 
somebody that needs to be here is, but I, I would say somebody in this house feels like that. But there might be somebody that says, man, just can't happen to me. I mean, I'm rock solid. I'm always strong spiritually. Can't happen here. Well, then I, I would argue that, you know, this is, this is David uh, writing this psalm. And if you didn't know this, uh, David, the name, his name, is mentioned more in the Bible than any other person, more so than Jesus. I mean, now David's not Jesus, but David is mentioned more and more over and over in the Bible as this man who seeks after God's heart, and yet here he is, and if you read it, he's like, where are you, God? I mean, like, I'm out. I'm out of gas. The tank is empty. I'm done. I need you. And he's crying out. So I would say, if it can happen to David, it can happen to any of us. And the question, what do we do? What do we do when this, uh, when this condition hits? And some of you may be there right now, today. So thank God you're here. But for all of us, it's going to hit us at some point. Uh, yeah, me, pastor, preacher, man, you know, other leader, church leader folks, other decide. It's going to hit everybody at some point. So what do we do? Today I want to really try to be clear in talking about this condition and really clarify this condition and then the causes, what caused it, and then the cures to overcome it, okay? So first, the condition. Let's clarify it even more. Psalm 42, verse 1, says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. Now, I don't claim to be an expert on like deers or deer hunting. I'm a novice. I like it. But I know that when a deer is panting, they are dying of thirst. Dying of thirst. So to clarify the condition, it's like we're the deer, we're dying of thirst, God's the riverbed, and the riverbed is dry. Riverbed's dry. It says, verse 2, my soul is thirsting for God. When shall I see God? It's like, when will I see you, God? Jesus says to the woman at the well, I give you living water. You'll never thirst. And it's like we're a Christian and we're, we're saying, man, it's dry. Now, I know our Sunday school, like, well, it's never dry. I get that. But I'm talking about let's get reality to emotions, and we call ourselves a Christian. It's dry. It's dry. What do we do? Because David hadn't done anything wrong here. You know, some Psalms, if you study David in the Psalms, some Psalms are confessing a sin. You know, David slept with Bathsheba. Bad decision. It was an affair. And he confessed that sin to God. This is not a confession. This is crying, where are you, God? Where are you? And then other times we're like, you know, um, this is not a psalm of doubts. David believes in God. He's saying, God, God, I believe in you, but I don't see you, I don't feel you. So this is not like an unbelief. This is not a crisis of faith. So those things can happen. We can truly have faith and believe in God. And we haven't had this major sin in our lives, and yet we don't feel God. Now, often as Americans, I'm going to kind of pick on us Americans. I love my country. You know, go USA. Great day yesterday with Russia. I'm going to kind of pick on us Americans a little bit here. You know, as Americans, if we don't have something, then obviously we've done something wrong. And so it's easy, you know, if someone were coming up to me, this would be my response. Say, you know, I don't feel God. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting anything. I'm not, I'm not getting anything out of church. I'm not getting anything out of prayer. And then I might say, well, are you, are you really doing these things? I mean, are you, are you really doing your Bible study? Are you really spending time in prayer? Uh, are you really connected to a church? Are you connected to a group? I would say, you know, you've got to do this. And, and many of us say, well, if you do this, you get that. That's, I think, kind of our American impulse. But then the response would be, man, I'm doing it all. 
I'm like going to church. There might be someone who's serving as a deacon. Say, Man, I'm serving. I'm supposed to be a leader at my church. And I'm not getting anything. Hey, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm not, God's not speaking to me. Hey, I'm praying. I'm coming up empty. What do I do? And man, I'd be at a lot. I'd be like, well, can't give you anything to do now. So, so yeah, what do you, what do, you do when, you, when you hit that place? You know, this can be totally disruptive. And I was like decimating for a new Christian. Uh, and I want tons of new Christians in here. But when, when a person hits this wall, and it may be a life event, we'll talk about the cause in a minute, but when a person hits this wall, I mean, it can totally, it doesn't start in unbelief, but it could veer to unbelief. It doesn't start in sin, but it can veer into a sin. And they can be in really bad shape. It's kind of like, I love the Winter Olympics. I'm kind of one of the weird dudes like the Winter Games more than the Summer Games. Some of you may be in that camp, but I love, probably my favorite event is the downhill skiing where you just start at the top, just let her rip and just go. And uh, I don't know, you know, that's the one I'd love to, to compete in. And I like Bodie Miller. Um, not everybody likes him. He's kind of a hothead, but I, I kind of like his style. So he just, he just lets her rip, you know. Well, he didn't medal. Or he, I don't think he's medaled yet. And he said, and this, you know, it struck me. It's like, you know, man, I was going great in the practice runs, and the sun was out. And then the day of his race, uh, a, few, a few days back, Cloud cover came, and he's like, man, you know, I'm going so fast, and when it's cloudy, I can't, and the snow's white, I can't make out the bumps, and, you know, so I get off track. And to me, that's so much how our Christian life can be. You know, it's all sunny, everything's good, but then there's a little cloud cover, and we're going down, and we just think we're rocking, but we can't make out the bumps, and we'll just hit a bump that we didn't see, and if we don't have the resources to get back, you know, on, on the track... We can easily veer off, and you don't want to hit a tree or anything like that, but, I mean, we can veer off if, if we can't, you know, maintain ourselves and get ourselves composed and go. It's, we don't see it, and these bumps come up, and we get hit. So the condition is spiritual dryness. The tank is empty. What causes it? Well, I'm going to list three. These are, I think, big causes. Uh, there probably could be more. I'm not that smart to think of all of them, but three big causes would be first, people change. People change. So look at verse 4. This is interesting. Verse 4, David says, I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. David was a spiritual leader. David was a worship leader. David would lead the throng, as in people, to God's house. So he was their leader, and he would lead them in worship and, you know, point them to God. I mean, he was the man. But now, if you go to verse 6, it says, My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mazar. And you're like, who cares about geography? I'm not in geography. Class. Well, if you really kind of study this psalm, David starts out, he's in the southern kingdom of Judah, which would, the people would go to the temple. Here he's moved to the north, which is in the mountains, where there's no church, okay? No temple. So he's alone. So it'd be like he's a leader at church, and then he leaves the church, and he's alone. He's isolated. Uh, we have uh, independent Bible study, individual Bible study, uh, independent individual prayer, uh, individual worship. You're like, how do you worship it? Well, I mean, you can sing you know, in your car, just listen to music or you know, play the chords. Individually, we need that. And then we have what we call corporate or the gathering, the community, 
Bible study, prayer, worship. That's why we come to church to worship. And I don't mean just the singing songs. This is an act of worship. Looking into God's Word together. I said this Wednesday night. There is something about looking into God's Word together. And I think it prompts the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in a different way to work and weave amongst you. As we're all like looking at the same passage, looking at God's Word, praying. I hope you're praying. Like, God, speak to me through this and drawing things out. God's Spirit works in a different way. When we're praying together, Jesus says we're two or more are together. You know, I'm, I'm there. So we need both. Not just one or the other. And we, again, said kind of knocking Americans, as, as Americans, we're like, man, we can go it on our own. You know, we're pick, up, pick ourselves up by the bootstraps, you know, go West Young. Man, I'm individualistic. You know, we can do it. And we really don't need church or the community or the gathering time. And let me say this. This is where I used to totally be. So I'm not knocking on any. I'm actually knocking on myself. I mean, I was lost as Cooter Brown, as Brother Both, as they say. I mean, I was lost. And what I mean by lost is in like, I don't need the church. Church smirch. You know? I mean, come on. Waste my weekend. Break up my, my day. You know, sing some songs. Listen to some dude, you know, I don't understand. That's my thinking. If I just had, just give me my Bible and uh, give me some quiet time and, and I'll read my Bible, have my prayer time, and then, then God and I have our own understanding. And, and I'm good. I'm good with God. And, hey, I just get real, real. Totally. I mean, I used to do it with a cigarette. You know, and just, hey, I'm, I'm cool and, you know, good to go. That's how a lot of people roll. Hopefully without the cigarette and smoke. But that's how a lot of folks roll. You know, just give me my Bible, man. Just give me some quiet. Give me a good plan. I don't get everything, but I get John 3.16. I'm good to go. Show up at church. And, and we don't really invest in the body and the community. We need both. We need being together. That's why, you know, I've stressed it. We're going to stress it. This covenant that we as a people, people of Bellwether, we believe in something greater than just our own individual walk, that we're, we're covenanting together. We're growing together. And we can't grow together. We will grow together. Now, then you could say, okay, well, I come to church, and, and I've been here too, you know, we, we grace the doors, you know, every other week or once a month. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll show up and, hey, we're, we're kind of part of the community. We'll show up when we can, when we want to. And, you know, I mean, time's mine. You know, I mean, you know, we can just show up in. It's, it's free country. You know, pop in and we'll say hey to uh, a couple folks we know and we'll kind of get a fix or part of a fix and go to lunch. And, you know, that's church. That's church for many folks. It may, it may be church for you. I know it was church. You know, I kind of progressed a little bit where I got to that point, which is good, but it's still not where we want you to be. And that's why we say we want you to connect. I mean, we really need more than even just showing up regularly here. We need more. We need smaller connections, a group, a Bible study. We need those relationships and connections. Why we say, why we emphasize, man, connect, please. Please connect with one another. And then we could even say, um, you know, well, you know, I'm here, but uh, I've really got my, I got my cluster of folks, and, and that's, that's who I'm hanging with. And the thing about church, not just this church, but any church, is change is constant. I mean, if you've been bellwether since the beginning, I think we've hit like seven different venues for worship. 
new house, I mean, new people, change is constant. But I want to show you some old photos, and this, I think some of you oldies will appreciate this, not in age, but anyway, somebody, and then uh, about some folks at Bellwether. Let's roll on here. This is our, our courthouse set up, fun day, see all the people there. I think we've got a couple pictures. I love that one. Who is that, like GQ, Stud Hoss? Setting up. Some of y'all are like, man, I'm glad I wasn't hanging back then. So that was all before a service on uh, Sunday morning, and you see some folks there, and some of those folks are still hanging with us, and some of them have moved uh, or are not with us. And so, you know, it's kind of like I got my cluster of friends, but if there are new people coming in or other people always going out, uh, you know, what do we do? And I would say, and this is to everybody, but particularly those who've been with Bellwether, if we're not constantly, and I call it reconstructing our relationships all the time, uh, we can find ourselves uh, in this dry spot. Say it again, reconstructing relationships. Because new people come in, and God calls other people elsewhere, uh, whether by work or moving or otherwise, and we need to be in the process of saying, hey, you know, what are relationships that God's leading me to? What are new friendships? What are new people that I can pray with? New places that I can go in the life of this church? Because, see, if we're just here in our cluster, here's what happens. Here's our cluster. We, we got our comfort zone. We're hanging. We're good. We got our, our church within the church. And then if somebody uh, exits out of that for whatever reason, like, oh, man, what's, what's happening? What's, what's going on? And, you know, we might not feel as connected to the body because we're really connected to our friendships here. And then when new people come and they see us hanging in this cluster and everything, they're like, well, that's kind of a cluster. That's pretty much a set pack, and I don't really feel like I can get in there because they're not reaching out to me because they feel real at home in their, their cluster of folks. See what I'm saying? So we've got to be real intentional, I mean, throughout the life of a church to, to pray and listen to God and really intentionally be about new friendships new relationships, new people to pray with, uh, new people to serve with, new people to go with, new people to love on. And I do believe that edifies and grows us, not just as a church, but internally, because we see how God works and see how God brings new people in our lives. Change is constant. So that's just one cause, is people change. Another cause for this condition would be life change. Now, some life changes are positive Let's throw that pick on. Here's a positive life change. Well, it is positive. It doesn't look positive. That would be, there you go. See, a positive life change is a new kid, new baby. Now, a screaming baby, though, babies scream, and, and babies make messes, and babies uh, cause us to have very little sleep. But it's positive. It's a great life change. However, those positive life changes sometimes can draw us away from our relationship with God. I'm mean, just, just tired. I can't. You know, can't do quiet time. Or easy excuse to not come to church. Uh, or, you know, come to church now once a month. Hey, new baby. It's very easy in these positive life changes to kind of check out, remove yourself away from the body, from the church, and just go on our own. But there can also be negative life changes. And so David is hitting on some negative life changes. If you look at verse 9 and 10... David is getting just smacked with some bad stuff. He uses the words oppression of his enemy. He's being oppressed. A deadly wound. He is wounded. And his adversaries taunt him. So there's some negative life changes too 
And some of y'all have probably had these, as in you're wounded. Maybe you've been wounded at a church. Maybe you've been wounded at this church. Maybe you feel oppressed uh, by people, uh, by family, by your spouse. Maybe you're in this season of uh, doubt and depression and, and real emotional pain. And then their adversaries, maybe you have a business adversary. I mean, hey, look, this is a small town, you know, and everybody kind of knows everybody's business. And their adversaries out there, man, you're just, you're just sinking and about to hit bottom. This is David, so you're in good company. And these life changes are negative, whether it is personal, emotional, whether it's professional, it's wounded, oppression. And when we hit those times, we can easily just draw away, isolate ourselves, whether it's pity party, or we can succumb to other sins, you know, I mean, alcohol, affairs, all those things, because we're just like, man, it's in a bad place. Just keep steering off track. People changes, life changes, and then the last would be body changes. You're like, body changes? What do you mean, body changes? Well, verse 3, David says, my tears have been my food day and night. My te- so wait. That would translate, he's crying all the time. Also translate, he's not sleeping. Also translate, he's not eating. Physical depression, like real physical depression. Another way to knock us good old Americans is we like to separate the physical and the spiritual. You know, physical life is good, working out fit. Spiritual life, not so good. Or spiritual life, good. Physical life, not so good. Well, the Hebrews, David's folks, they were integrated, the physical and the spiritual. And Christians... They're related. As the soul is resurrected to heaven, so our bodies will one day be resurrected to heaven. It's all tied together. Spiritual, physical, emotional. And the sooner we get to a place where we realize that our physical depression can affect our spiritual depression, the better we can help our spiritual depressions. As in, like, if you feel like you're just out of gas, the tank is empty, not seeing God, not hearing God, not feeling God, are you getting rest? Are you getting exercise? Are you taking care of your body? Are you physically depressed? Because often they're tied together. And we've got to see that they're tied together for us to begin that healing process. So, I mean, just practical, very simple. I want us to get our rest, treat our bodies well, exercise, eat well, have good emotional relationships. Because that also affects our spiritual walk. Did with David. Last. Condition, spiritual dryness, the riverbed is dry. Causes, people change, life change, body change. What's the cure? I mean, that's the answer. You're like, what's the cure? David does four things here in this psalm that we all need to do. We all need to learn to do if we're going to get past these times of spiritual dryness. And if you're not there now, you will be. What are they? He pours out his soul. He questions his hopes. He remembers grace and he preaches to his heart. Pour out soul. Verse 4, he says, I pour out my soul. You may say, hey man, I get nothing out of church. I get nothing out of Bible study. I pray and it's like I fall asleep. Actually, sometimes you might say, I do pray so I can fall asleep at night. Get nothing out of it. I worship, get nothing out of it. You got nothing for me, preacher. Then I'd say even more, you need to come to church. Even more, you need to do some Bible study. Even more, you need to pray. Even more, you need to worship. Like, why should I do that? 
David was pouring out his soul. David was dry. He wrote a psalm. He cried out to God. When we're dry, we need to worship more. We need to pray more. We need to look in God's Bible. We need to pour out our soul. If you're not getting anything, then say to God, I'm not getting anything, God. And say it over and over again. And I would gamble. I'm not a gambling man, but I would say he will show up. He did for David. Not getting anything, pour out your soul. Cry out. Not everybody writes poetry. I know I don't. But you might write poetry. Pray. Worship. Go. Look into God's Word. You need to do it even more. Question your hopes. It's a question I ask myself, all of us. What do we really hope for? I mean, what's our hope in? See, for David, I'm just going to allude to this psalm, Psalm 3. His hopes were put in love of his family, love of his people. And in Psalm 3, those were taken away. His favorite son, Absalom, betrayed him, tried to coup against him, and, and basically took over the kingdom. And David was on the run. David was on the run. And in Psalm 3, verse 3, he says, Yet you are my shield, O God. And here he says, hope in God. I just ask, like, if you're hitting this wall, spiritual depression, physical depression, what's your hope in? Is it your kids? Is it your family? Is it a burgeoning career? Is it a floundering career? What's your hope in? What's your hope in? And turn your hope to God. Remember the grace. Now, some of you may be not Christians at all here. Man, I hope we have at least uh, one. But if you're like hitting this wall and you're dry, remember the grace God's given you. Remember your baptism. Remember your salvation. Remember when God was just so present in your life. Remember when you could feel God, see God. Remember the people God brought in your life. Remember the things that He's done. Remember how He's led you. Remember those times. Remember the grace. Remember the times of grace. So pour out your soul. Question your hopes. Remember the grace. That's what David does. He says, all this, I remember you. He says this over and over again. These things I remember. He's trying to remember. I remember the times I was with you. And that will fill you. And that will bring you back to a place. And then last, and I really think this is more important. I'm obviously biased, but preach to your heart. Preach to your heart. David does this. If you look at verse 5 and verse 11, it says the same thing. And David is preaching to his heart. Look what he says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You may not have caught that, but David was listening to his heart, and then he was preaching to his heart. That's what I'm talking about. Good preaching entails, requires good listening. It's like preaching here, when I do, preach here, is different than if I were preaching in New York City or Boston or London, or L.A., or just somewhere different. There are different needs. There are different challenges. Yes, Christ is Lord, but you have different needs. The cultures are different. The challenges are different. So, I have to listen to you. I mean, I have to listen to y'all. I mean, I have to really listen. Because if I don't listen to you, there's no way you'll listen to me. So I have to listen to your needs. I have to listen to your desires. I have to listen to your hopes. And maybe they're false hopes. I have to listen to your hopes. What are the challenges of this place? Of this community of Bellwether? What are the challenges of living in Northeast Jackson? What are the challenges of Metro? I've got to listen. I've got to listen well. And I'm continually learning to do that. But if I don't listen to you, there's no way you'll listen to me. Because there is a point 
where I have to, and I say this with all love, I have to turn it around and I say, please, listen to me. Please listen to me. And it's the same with our hearts. As we turn inward and really listen to what our hearts are saying, and, you know, there may be sorrow or there may be pity or there may be emptiness. And then at a point, we've got to turn around and say, heart, listen to me. David does that. Look at it. He's saying, why are you cast down on my soul? And then he says, hope in God. So why are you cast down, heart? Hope in God. We've got to learn to preach to our hearts. We've got to learn to listen to our hearts and turn around and say, listen to me, heart. God is good. He's not leaving us. I close, and you know, I'm not getting into Psalm 43, but if you read them together, there is a progression. Because Psalm 43 ends, David says, I will go back to the altar of God. God will be my exceeding joy. David's come out. What do you call it? A funk, a dry spell, the pit. He's come out. I believe these things have helped him to come out. I believe these things can help you come out. Poor out your soul. Question your hopes. Remember the grace. Preach to your heart. And you'll come out. When you come out, you actually come out further along. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, it's a saying or a song or something, you know. What doesn't kill you makes you strong. You'll come out further ahead. But look, the good news is, the good news of the gospel, we have something David didn't have. We have a person. A person who really said, I thirst. A person who really said, God, why have you forsaken me? And that God was his father. A person who literally hung on the cross as people looked at him and spat upon him and mocked him. And he did that for you. As we like to say, when that was going on, when that was going down, he knew your name and was saying for them. Because God sent his son to get what we deserve so we could get his love. We could rest in his love. And know his love. Preach that to your heart. Please. And this would be a time when I was like, you know, and I know some of you are in funks, because I and I know some of you will be. Preach that. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. What are you standing on? Christ the solid rock. Repent and believe the gospel, the Bible says. As repent means coming before the Lord and say, Man, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry my heart's crying out me. I'm sorry I'm not looking to you. Help me, please. And believe that he can and he will. I want you to have that. That will bring us joy. That will get us out of that place. Preach it to your heart. Let's pray together. Dear God, the, uh, man, I know the temptations and the competition for your love. I know them so well personally and I know our people are getting hit by them competition of work, of money, of the right club or relationship. God, I just pray you would, your Holy Spirit would overwhelm us with your love. We would, we'd realize our fault in seeking these things that would not bring satisfaction fully, truly, and that we would look to you. And I do pray for people who are in that pit right now and that are just coming up and it's dry and, and you're like, I get nothing, and they cry. I get, let them cry out more. I pray they'd cry out. I know they'll meet you. I know you're there. And I pray they'd turn around and look at their heart and say, hope in God. I pray they'd question their hopes, really look at what they're hoping in. I pray they'd get rest. 
God, I mean, I just see people just worn out from the competition, from the race. Just worn out. Give them rest. Let them know rest is in Jesus. Give them health. Give this church health. Let's be a community that covenants together. Let's realize we can't do it on our own. We need one another. We need your word. Pray for myself, too. I pray I'd listen better. I pray I'd really listen more and more. And that through your power by the Holy Spirit, we can minister together and grow together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.